Hi, I'm TJ Gilroy, your host for the Transformers Podcast, where I'll show you that life is not about struggle, it's about transformation. The master key to unlocking all of the security, confidence, control, and success you've always been looking for comes from developing your special God-given gift. But how do you find your gift? How do you develop it? And how do you employ it? The answer to all these questions are found in the process of transformation. Transformation is not complicated and the process is easier than you could imagine. Are you ready to become a transformer? Then let's get started. Have you ever heard the phrase, stuff happens? Well, the first time I heard it, I was still in the Marine Corps and stuff wasn't spelled stuff. It was spelled with four letters. Anyway, however you've heard it, it implies that some things just can't be avoided. Or can they? The last Transformers episode about time and money was leading somewhere. It was that things aren't always as they seem and our assumptions about even basic stuff are often based more on tradition, opinions, and hearsay than on facts. In this Transformers episode, I'll look at it from another direction. You know, I used to assume that sometimes stuff just happens and we can't control our circumstances, but I learned that wasn't true. I learned that everything has a reason and nothing just happens. Let me explain. Like most high school seniors, I really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was told I was going to college, but where and how was left entirely up to me. My parents were hardworking, middle-class people, and I knew if I was going to go to college, it was going to be on some kind of a scholarship. My dad had retired you know, from a career in the Marine Corps, and his idea was for me to go to the Naval Academy. But for some reason, the Naval Academy just didn't sound like much fun to me, so the next best thing was for me to try to get a Navy ROTC scholarship. Part of the scholarship process involved an interview with three Naval officer recruiters. One of the questions they asked me was why I wanted to join the Navy and what I was going to do for them. I told them I planned to be an oceanographer. They all thought that was a great response, so I got the scholarship. Okay, fast forward a little bit. If you have an ROTC scholarship, you're required to do some kind of training with the military during your summers. So after my freshman year, I was assigned to a Navy destroyer escort for six weeks. We were part of a big exercise in the Atlantic, and all of us ROTC midshipmen lived like enlisted sailors on the ship. It only took me a nanosecond to figure out that life on a ship was not for me, but it took a couple more weeks at sea to find out that the Navy didn't even have an oceanography program. You know, it's a common complaint that recruiters don't tell people the truth when they're signing up. And I found out the hard way that it wasn't just enlisted recruiters who were less than forthcoming. Anyway, after that summer, I decided I didn't want to be on a ship, so my next choice was to fly. And if I was going to be a pilot, I wanted to do it in the Marine Corps, not the Navy. So in my second year of college, I applied for a transition to the Marine Corps, the ROTC's program that the Marines had, and I was accepted. 
I also found out that you could take an aviation test while in college, and if you passed it, you were guaranteed a seat in flight school. So I did. That meant that all I had to do was to graduate with a degree, and I could go off to be a Marine pilot. Almost. I still had to get through officer's candidate school after my junior year, and after graduation, I had to go to officer basic school at Quantico, Virginia for six months. Then I could go to flight school in Pensacola, Florida. After only two months in flight school, I lost my first friend in an aviation mishap. He was a second lieutenant just like me, and he and an instructor pilot, who was also a Marine, died because their training aircraft encountered icing conditions on a routine flight. Several other training mishaps claimed the lives of friends in flight school and the early part of my aviation career. You know, it might seem callous, but you just sort of got used to it. Stuff happens. As I gained some experience and seniority, I had the opportunity to go to Aviation Safety Officer School, also known as ASO School, in um, postgraduate school at the Naval Postgraduate School at Monterey, California. The other pilots in the class came from all the different aviation communities from the Navy and the Marine Corps. We had jet pilots, we had helo pilots like me, we had propeller pilots, and all of us had lost friends to all different kinds of mishaps. On the first day of class, the instructor got up in front of us and told the story of an A6 intruder pilot that flew into a storm. No big deal. The A6 was an all-weather jet attack aircraft and flying in bad weather, well, that's what they did. And then the aircraft was struck by lightning and lost all its electrical systems. Now that's a bad day and it was a very big deal. The instructor said, well, sometimes stuff spelled differently, you know, S-H blank blank, happens, right? And we all dutifully nodded our heads in agreement. That's when he let us know that no, stuff doesn't just happen. There is always a reason. And it was our jobs to figure out what that reason was so we could prevent mishaps and pilots from dying. If we didn't, we got to do the other thing that ASO school trained us for. We were the ones who got to do the mishap investigations, you know, like the National Transportation Safety Board does in the civilian world, and nobody wanted to do that. We were taught that some mishaps were due to faulty maintenance or bad maintenance procedures, but not very many. Some mishaps were due to faulty manufacturing, where the guys who made the aircraft parts used bad materials, um, or there was some kind of a, a problem in assembly, but that was even more rare. The vast majority of mishaps were due to pilot error. Somewhere, somehow, the pilot made a wrong decision that resulted in a crash. In the case of that A6 pilot flying into a storm and lost all of its electrical systems, better pre-flight planning and a better weather brief could have avoided the entire incident. Okay, so at this point, some of you guys might be thinking, well, I'm not a pilot and none of this applies to me. Or does it? Have you ever asked yourself why things happen to you? Why you always pick the wrong person to date? And why you have bad luck? Or why your job sucks? Do you feel like you just wound up with the life you have through no fault of your own? Don't you love it when people agree with you and empathize with your sorry condition? Sorry to disappoint you, but that ain't me. If you're brave enough to go back and look, you'll find that 
almost every time your condition is a result of some decision you made along the way. But wait, you'll say, I didn't make any decisions. To that, I would tell you that not just deciding was a decision. You decided to let somebody else choose for you, and now you're paying the consequences. This podcast episode isn't really aimed at trying to make you feel guilty or sorry or whatever about decisions you made or you didn't make. I could have blamed those Navy recruiters for not telling me that the Navy didn't even have an oceanography program, or I could have done some more research, or how about this, found an oceanographer and asked them what they did to get where they're at. Before becoming a a pilot, did I ask any Marine pilots what life was like to them? No. I just got lucky there, sort of. More on that decision later. The point is to let you know that your decisions have consequences, and you actually have more control over your life than you might think. Of course, stuff that happens, it's not always bad. When something unexpectedly good happens, we call that luck. Some people seem to always end up on the right side of things, and to us, they appear to have luck on their side. A lot. Usually, those people aren't liked very well, especially by those who seem to have all the bad things happen to them. But just as with bad luck, there is always a reason for good luck. It could be that they worked harder behind the scenes than anybody knows. It could be that they just made good choices or were better prepared than others. The stuff that happens to you or for you, whether it's good or bad, is almost always due to the seeds you've sown. There's a biblical principle called seed time and harvest time that we're assured will never pass away. In Genesis, it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. That means that whatever you plant will produce a crop. If you plant good, you get good. If you plant bad, you get bad. As James Allen, the guy who wrote As a Man Thinketh, said, people do not attract that what they want, but that which they are. He also said, every thought seed sown or allowed to fall into the mind and to take root there produces of its own, blossoming sooner or later into an act and bearing its own fruitage of opportunity and circumstance. Good thoughts bear good fruit, bad thoughts bad fruit. That's why scripture tells us to take every thought captive. All of this is to say that if you want good things to happen to you, it's your choice. When you make your choices based on God's purpose for your life, the choices become easier and the results get better. Planting the right seeds to get the the right results, they just don't happen and they certainly don't happen overnight. It's a process, a process called transformation. And I'm glad you're choosing to transform. Thanks for listening to the Transformers podcast. Please visit www.tjgilroy.com if you would like to know more about becoming a Transformer, reading a transcript of this episode as a blog post, or checking out TJ's three books, Employ Your Gift, the Father Fracture, and the Purpose Master Key. You can find them at www.tjgilroy.com.